Welcome to Knitter Square. I'm your host, Leanne Hunt, and I hope you'll pick up your knitting and spend the next little while with me as we share that warm, fuzzy feeling that comes when we knit and crochet for charity. Hello, everybody. This is Leanne Hunt coming to you from Johannesburg on a cloudy morning. Uh, It's been a long break since I last recorded, but uh, today we're at the beginning of season three of the Knitter Square podcast. Like I say, it's been a long break and I just wanted to remind you or to say to those who are new to the Knitter Square podcast that we have already got um, two seasons of podcasts up uh, on the platform. And if you haven't yet uh, gone back and listened to those, please do so. There's a lot of very inspiring interviews that I've done with um, both our overseas members and our local volunteers. And just to give you a, a heads up, if you if you aren't familiar with our work, Knitter Square is an organization based in South Africa that has been running for about 12 years. And we uh, coordinate the collection and distribution, well, the collection of squares from members around the world, knitted squares and crocheted squares. And uh, then we compile them into blankets and distribute them to vulnerable children, um, mostly in the Gauteng area, which is um, interior of the country, gets very cold, but also uh, further afield. In addition to the blankets, we also uh, distribute beanies, knitted beanies, soft toys and hand warmers because uh, many of our children have to walk long distances from home to school each day um, or they're out on the street and in the very cold weather the hand warmers certainly help. So back to our members, um, we've got members you know around the world and we are tremendously grateful. Some of them have been around for the full 12 years, they literally joined at the start um, and have have supported our work ever since. Uh, lots of new members keep arriving, and it's wonderful to see people from different places in the in the world sort of contacting us and sending in squares. Uh, the squares come in in, in parcels uh, through our post office, which is not very reliable, but um, only time-wise it's not reliable. Things tend to take a long time getting to us, and sometimes the... Um, Things like post office strikes tend to interrupt the process. But we have a very um, good track record in terms of things actually reaching us. We always say to our members, um, make sure that you uh, mark your parcels as for charity and having zero value. So it doesn't incur any um, additional postal charges. As the, uh, the way things stand at the moment, we already have to pay postal fees for collection of parcels just because our post office needs the extra funds. And it seems rather ridiculous and um, unfair that uh, such postal charges should be rendered on um, gifts for charity, but that is the case. And we have to live with it until it changes. Um, On that note, if you want to make a donation to um, relieve the situation um, and help with the postal charges, there is a donate, donate button on the website, uh, www.knit-a-square.com, and uh, you can make donations either in a once-off format or as a monthly a monthly um, donation to Knit a Square. We're very, very, very appreciative of all those. Um, 
I did want to mention some of the people who have been on the podcast before. So um, just those that come to mind amongst our, our overseas members, people like Gloria Grandy in Canada, who heads up the, the River John Knitters Group, um, Patricia Gribble in Plymouth, England, who heads up the St Pancras Knitters Group, um, we've got uh, Marion Davies in Wales and uh, Karen Gordon up in Durham in Northern England. But it's always interesting to uh, to hear from these um, people overseas how they run their, their um, projects for Knitter Square. I think of uh, Joy Evans down in Arkansas. Um, she is well known for her Plain Janes. We had Suzanne Leverton from Australia telling us all about... Um, how she uh, found Knitter Square and enjoys knitting. Kath Riley, who always delights Estelle with her fantastic creations as she sends them in and everybody gasps and says, oh, another Kath Riley. <laughs> she also sends in completed blankets and obviously that's very useful for us. And then quite a recent one with Grace Were from Dorchester. Um, and then coming to mind are also some of our uh, some of the interviews I did with um, people with sort of very special interests, like Amy Pettigrew from Houston, Texas, speaking to us about her lovely garden and her dogs and how they um, chase wild animals in the garden. It's really, it sort of intrigued me. Melikas <laughs> uh, from Slovenia, who runs an olive farm and how um, sort of gathering olives for the harvest, um, how busy she was and had to put her knitting aside for a while because of responsibilities there. And our very own Rhonda um, talking to us uh, about her visit to the game reserve and accounting um, or recounting all the lovely animals she saw and the effects of the floods. I think that was the end of last year that uh, there had been so many floods, but she spoke to us at the beginning of season two about her wonderful trip there and I know many people um, listening from afar found that very in inspiring and entertaining because she gives such lovely descriptions of the wildlife. Um, closer to home we've got our local volunteers and I also do regular interviews with them so um, talking about uh, events in the barn and what it's like to work as a volunteer in Johannesburg on the ground um, we've had uh, interviews with uh, Vivian, Wandi, Bongi, um, so just to name a few. And um, they also talk about the distributions that they do in Soweto and uh, Alexandra and those kind of places. Um, and then, of course, our uh, ever-faithful Estelle and Athale, who are tremendous interviewees because they come up with lovely descriptions of the, of the distributions that we've done. Um, I've actually got Athelay coming up on a uh, another episode, which I'm going to be airing soon, where she actually reports live from Pafuri, um, up near the northern border of the Kruger National Park, to a very remote district. Um, and it's th that particular interview was amazing because she was literally talking to the children uh, in between talking to me. <laughs> and you really get a feel for what that's like. So look out for that episode coming up soon. I have interviews with um, Valerie Zalewski in France and um, with uh, Pam and Elaine from Knit for Life from the UK. And that's just uh, a sample. Some of those I've got in the bag already and others um, I'll be looking to do in the next couple of weeks.
so news from me um I suppose I had planned to do season three <laughs> a little earlier. I was hoping to sort of do it in September last year. Um, but various things got in the way. And um, then I decided that I would postpone it to this year because it, that would allow me to focus fully on plans for my children coming out. Um, as you know, my daughters, Lauren and Tammy, uh, live overseas. Lauren and her husband live in Ireland, and Tammy lives in uh, in Dub uh, Sorry, and Tammy lives in. Uh, she's living in Cambridge now. She lived in London for a while. Anyway, she. Uh, oh, and the other thing is that she actually was on a recent podcast. Um, she was on the last episode of season two, I believe, talking about knitting as a form of therapy because uh, she's a psychologist. And. Um, Anyway, so with my children coming out, well, actually, it was a very touch and go situation for most of the time at the end of last year. You will know from um, your own experiences with COVID and lockdown that uh, there were uh, times when South Africa was on the red list for all sorts of countries and certainly for both Ireland and England. And um, when the uh, when South Africa was off the red list briefly in September, October, Tammy actually was able to come out um, to see us. And that was fantastic. That was when she did her interview with me. Um, but then she went back to start her um, her doctorate. And um, then, of course, South Africa went back on the red list. And that was all very sudden. And we thought that we probably wouldn't have the girls coming out for Christmas at all. And then suddenly things change. It was right sort of in the middle of December and they both managed to find flights and come out for Christmas, which was such a treat. Uh, Lauren hadn't been out for two years and was desperately missing home. So it was very special to have her and her husband stay with us. Um, during the time they were with us, we had booked uh, accommodation in the Drakensberg, which is the mountainous area of KwaZulu-Natal, and uh, it's a favorite spot of our family. Our extended family goes every two years and we hire a couple of houses there and we gather for a week or so um, just so that we can all be together. The cousins who are all sort of now in their 20s can spend time doing lots of activities like uh, hiking and horse riding and um, canoeing and whatever they get up to, <laughs> depending on the weather. Um, and we do a lot of what we call brying, which is, I suppose, barbecuing in, in whatever um, country you, you're in. Uh, a lot of outdoor entertaining because it's summertime and we particularly love to be out in, the, in, in nature and listening to the birds. And uh, yeah, doing a bit of bird watching and game viewing and whatever we can find to do. This year, we were actually away for 10 days because my nephew got married on the 16th of December. And so we extended our holiday from that time right through to just after Christmas. And we had a wonderful time. Um, it's always so fantastic when the family, the larger family can get together. I did lots of knitting, which I usually do on holiday, and lots of reading and um, obviously just sitting around the fire in the evening and um, exchanging stories of the year that's gone past, our experiences with COVID and all that sorts of things. And um, obviously the cousins loved seeing my daughters because they get to see them so rarely because they're out of the country. 
So that was our Christmas. And then um, we came back, as I say, just after Christmas, the girls went back, uh, back home. And um, I started out a new project for this year, which I thought I'd just share with you because it does impact on the podcast. I've begun a master's degree. It's a master's of philosophy in theology, and my specialization is in Christian spirituality. Our lecture started this week, um, in fact, um, and are online because of lockdown. Um, Although we are only in level one lockdown, which means very few restrictions, the college still um, is in that mode and can cater for students further afield. So that's how we're doing it at the moment. And um, so far, I'm enjoying it, although the pace is somewhat different to what I'm used to. I haven't been studying for a very long time. Um, I did an honors in English literature back in the 80s. (laughs) And um, now uh, this is a sort of a slightly higher level of of learning. Um, But it's a completely different level as well, because instead of having lectures consistently throughout the year, the the year is uh, broken up into blocks and we do assignments. So most of the um, examination is in assignment form which requires a lot of research and reading from my side and to be quite honest um, I couldn't have done this 20 years ago when I finished my my honors degree because the technology wasn't available as most of you know I am um, well I'm legally blind and um, so I can't access anything in written format unless it's on tape or on um, audio formats in mp3 um, or in PDF, which uh, I can download and read, you know, from the internet. Um, fortunately for me, most of our readings for the course are um, provided in PDF format, and so that gives me a, a, a level of, of accessibility that I certainly wouldn't have had in the 80s. Um, between my computer, which has screen reading software, and the the college's um, provision of digital format um, material it's just we've come a huge way you know for for people in the um, in the blind community uh, it's just transformed everything so uh, it's wonderful I can actually do my studies and uh, write my assignments and submit them just like everybody else and I I do think that the last uh, 20 odd years of um, being at home and doing my own reading and study um, along my lines of interest has actually um, just given me a really good uh, basic knowledge for the course that I'm doing and has also just deepened my own, um, I suppose, view of the world. Well, that's probably enough from me uh, for this episode, um, about me at least. (laughs) Anyway, um, I just wanted to say opening the first opening day of this year happened on Tuesday the 11th. That'll be last week um, when you hear this. And um, I think we will be um, getting up and running you know, with uh, lots of distributions really soon because uh, although we are still in level one, as I said, the, the vaccinations have helped enormously and there is still a very strong vaccine drive. Uh, and we are finding that um, most of the hospitalizations are people who have not been vaccinated. So obviously the vaccines are working to keep the, um, the effects, the symptoms of, of Omicron very much um, milder. Um, 
yes, as I, so as I say, we are resuming opening days, resuming distributions, and um, I expect uh, we'll be pretty busy this year. Um, you'll be able to follow our activity on Facebook. Um, Estelle always does wonderful updates um, on on the opening days. And um, obviously, if you are a member of the forum on the website, uh, you can interact with all the, the, the goings on in the various discussions, looking at photographs of what people are making, discussing um, challenges and uh, looking at various uh, reports of distributions. Lots going on there. Uh, so please pay a visit to the Nether Square website. Uh, join the forum if you haven't done so already. And uh, if you are um, moved to do so, please uh, hit that um, donate button and make a donation to support our work. So I think that's uh, all for this episode. And I just hope that um, wherever you are in the world, that you are um, managing to get back to some sense of normal uh, as as the, the worst part of the COVID pandemic passes. I personally feel that we are in for a much better year, and I hope I'm right. But that's just the the sense that I have of of um, the the way things are are looking, and also I suppose just my own intuition intuition about the way things happen. So let's hope that that is the way um, it's going to turn out for us all, and that um, wherever you are and whatever you're doing with your knitting and crocheting and yarn collecting and posting on the website and everything else that you uh, have a wonderful year ahead uh, that's just my wish for everybody in the knitter square circle <laughs> so best wishes to everybody and i'll be back in two weeks time with episode two of season three this is leanne hunt casting off you can find show notes at www.knit-a-square.com slash kas-podcast. Please tell your friends about this podcast if you've enjoyed it, and you can share links on Facebook, Twitter, and wherever your knitting friends congregate. Together, we are bringing hope to South Africa's vulnerable children, one square at a time.